This is Mary Swander. Let me tell you a little something about the local churches and religions near Fremarton Town. hit Free Martintown, we closed our schools and everyone from the Old Order Amish to the Methodists to the Catholics canceled their religious services. We stayed home and the traffic on my road was reduced to almost nothing. Only an occasional buggy clopped along, going a short distance to the next farm. I rang my school bell every night at 7 p.m. in honor of the medical staff at the hospital who were saving lives, and my neighbor Donna stood in her driveway ringing a big hand bell. A couple of months passed. We snuck out for garden seedlings, potting soil, and mulch. The weather turned warmer, and at a distance, Donna and I shouted over the fence at each other. A friend from our exercise group dropped off a petunia seedling and left it on my front porch. Then the governor announced that we had flattened our curve and we could gather in groups greater than 10. The next week, she announced that we could resume our church services. No, I don't think that's wise, the Catholic bishop said, and the churches in the diocese remain closed to parishioners. Broadcast on Facebook Live, the priest said mass to empty pews life-size pictures of the absent members taped to their places spaced six feet apart. The Amish went ahead and had services, circling their buggies in a pasture, each family staying inside their own vehicles. The Amish bishop stationed in the center of the group where he preached. Without microphones, I imagine that the Amish use what they always do to amplify themselves the chimney of a kerosene lamp. Pressed to their lips, the chimney projects any sound, great distances. The Methodists didn't know what message they wanted to project. They wanted to resume their services, but they wanted to be safe. They wanted a sermon, and they wanted to include their local bluegrass musicians. So they formed a committee Donna had to struggle with Zoom and spent weeks on the committee meeting debating the issue. You can go ahead and have a regular service if you want, she told them, but I'm 82 years old and I won't be coming. The Catholic bishop agreed. Whatever we end up doing, the elderly must stay at home. In rural areas, the churches are not only a source of spiritual growth and solace, but they are the social fabric and safety net of life. The Catholics and the Methodists pushed harder to meet in person. Finally, the Catholic bishop had a press conference. I've been studying the data, he said, and I believe we can have in-person masses if we find a way to socially distance. The local Catholics were on it. 
We have three small town parishes here, all linked together by one priest who madly dashes from one to the other on the weekend to say masses. The Free Martin Catholics are a spirited bunch, known for their polka masses where an accordion player takes the stage on the altar with the congregation singing the Our Father to the tune of Roll Out the Barrel. Quickly, a flatbed truck was fitted with an altar, a canopy above to shade the priest from the hot summer sun. The Catholics pulled the altar from parish to parish parking lot, the priest saying mass and a face mask. The parishioners pulled into the parking lots, pickups and minivans in the back, sedans in the middle, and compact cars in the front. The parishioners picked up the church's Wi-Fi on their cell phones and followed the Mass on Facebook. Communion was served by Eucharistic ministers going from vehicle to vehicle like car hops. The Mass is ended. Go in peace, the priest said, and all the cars honked. At long last, the Methodist Committee decided that they too would have a parking lot service. They pulled up to their church, their minister on an elevated platform. The great bluegrass herons stood at the side, each member distanced from the other. The people in their cars tuned their dials to 94.5 FM and magically heard their own minister's preaching that alternated with the gospel tunes. We had to keep our windows rolled up, Donna said, but when it got hot, I just turned on the car's air conditioner for a while. I don't know what we're going to be doing this winter, but for now, I'll be at church every Sunday. In addition to the great bluegrass herons, you often hear banjoy playing at the Methodist Church near Free Martintown. Banjo is a duo, Bob and Christy Black, and they have had a long, illustrious career. And Bob was actually the banjo player for Bill Monroe and wrote a great book about it called To Go Yonder. And so here they are, the Blacks with some assorted others in the background, fabulous musicians playing Angel Band. Triumph has begun. Oh. 
between the Catholic Church and the Amish Mennonite churches that goes way back to the 1500s in Europe. And today those tensions have basically passed, but sometimes they come out in subtle ways. Here's a reading from my book, Out of This World, A Woman's Life Among the Amish. I am sitting on my Amish neighbor Moses and Miriam's porch swing, both feet dangling, my toes brushing the floorboards back and forth, the seat squeaking, eh, eh, creating its own rhythm and breeze. It is late September, the corn across the road crisp, drying to a golden light brown. I am 39 years old and the temperature is 69 degrees. Earlier, I had walked around the corner and knocked on Moses and Miriam's door for a visit. We decided to congregate outside as the evening was so pleasant. Now the leaves of the Norway maple tree in the yard rustle faintly with an almost inaudible stir, the sun setting, a purplish light spreading across the flat western horizon that stretches taut and secure as the twine wrapped around the bales of hay stacked in the barn. There the stray cat is nestled in and delivered a litter of scrawny kittens in all colors, calico, fluffy white, solid gray, tiger stripes, a litter of cats can have several fathers, and this one looks like it's been fertilized by several denominations. In the morning, Miriam will cook oatmeal for these varied creatures, half of whom will die in a few weeks of distemper. Moses will carry the dish out to the barn, where the mother will slink up close, always alert, always suspicious, as any wild animal instinctively is, her nipples almost dragging on the ground, and lap at the cereal with her rough tongue. One stray monarch butterfly drifts toward the windbreak of pines, and the gauzy outline of the full moon rises into the sky. A horse drawing a buggy ambles by, gravel clicking against the wooden wheels, the battery-powered reflector blinking in the dark. Who's that going there? Miriam asked, perched on the swing next to me in her nightgown and robe, her cheeks sunken into her face, a light chiffon scarf loosely draped over her gray hair, which falls down around her shoulders. Fanny, Moses says, flapping open the screen door with a huge bowl of popcorn he's fixed in the kitchen. Sure, that's Fanny Yoder. Fanny waves from the buggy, the horse slowing slightly. Fanny, that's not Fanny, Miriam says. 
Well, sure it is. Where's she going then so late at night? I don't know. She didn't tell me, Moses jokes, scooping out popcorn from the larger bowl into smaller ones, handing one to his wife. I won't have any. Don't have my teeth in. But did you bring napkins? Yes, I brought the napkins. Fanny, she's got church at her house tomorrow. You'd think she'd be going home already. You go to church? Moses turns to me. I nod, not wanting to expound on my recovering Catholic status, the troubles I've had all my adult life, reconciling many of the tenets of the church with my own convictions, the pull and tug I've felt between staying with and leaving an organization I've found at once stabilizing and repressive. Where do you go? In Lakeland. Lakeland. Moses swings around and stares me in the eye, knowing there's only one church in that nearby town. You're not a Catholic, are you? I nod again. I was raised Catholic. Moses drops his hand in the popcorn bowl, and Miriam stops still in the swing. Well, Moses says after several seconds' silence, that's all right. That's all right, too. Fremart in town long enough to know that there's a progression of religions here in this area. Usually you start out as Old Order Amish, and if you get restless with that, you become New Order Amish. And if you're still having a little rebellion about that, you become Mennonite. And if you still are antsy with Mennonite, you become Methodist. So we have those religious categories here. And then in the early settlement days, the Amish Mennonite community butted up against, uh, to the north, an Irish Catholic community. And that revolved around St. Patty's Church, and then to the south, a German Catholic community, and that revolved around St. Boniface and Bertha Church. And sometimes a Mennonite might actually marry a Catholic, and that was called a mixed marriage. So St. Patty's and St. Boniface and Bertha are pretty interesting churches. They have both been deconsecrated by the Catholic bishop now because the parishes which were once large and drew from a long and line of Catholics, Irish Catholics and German Catholics and uh, uh, found people from the surrounding communities coming to these beautiful, beautiful churches in the countryside. Their numbers have dwindled. So uh, about a decade ago, the Catholic bishop, who is far, far away, said, to heck with it, we're not going to maintain those churches anymore. And so the 
Irish Catholics and the German Catholics as old St. Paddy's and St. Boniface and Bertha. They got together and they said, um, hmm, you know, we can't have this. At St. Paddy's, there's a cemetery right next to the church. And the cemetery is historically fascinating. There's someone from every county in Ireland buried in that cemetery. And you can get the whole sweep of history from it. Uh, there's one family of seven people that died on one day from some kind of um, plague that was going through. And at St. Boniface and Bertha, they have a similar situation. They have their cemetery right there. And a beautiful surrounding view. It's kind of rolly and hilly in both locations. So each parish went to the bishop and said, we can't have this. We have to maintain our parishes. And the bishop said, would you like to buy those churches? And, you know, both groups said, well, you know, we don't have any money, but what kind of a deal have you got in mind? And the bishop said, one dollar. They're for sale for one dollar. And that was that. And so St. Paddy's became old St. Paddy's, and St. Boniface and Bertha became old St. Boniface and Bertha. And the two, um, the two churches, in my mind, represent what, uh, what the best of both ethnicities. St. Boniface and Bertha just has beautiful, beautiful German craftsmanship amazing woodwork and statue, hand-carved statues, beautiful stained-glass windows. Everything is polished and cleaned and painted and maintained just absolutely beautifully. And uh, old St. Patty's, well, they struggled to get a new roof, and while they were struggling, the rain was pouring down the walls there. Uh, but they have spirit, and they have Irish music in the, in the old uh, community center, and um, things are not quite maintained like old St. Boniface and Bertha, but everybody come on down and dance and sing. So the first time I went to Old St. Paddy's, check it out. They now have a it's an it's a Irish cultural center. They have events throughout the year. They have a Easter event and they have a Thanksgiving event and they have hymn sings where uh, our friends and musicians here, Bob Black and Christy, come and lead a hymn sings. Really fun event. And I went there, and I said to the uh, to the people, the parishioners, I said, well, do you ever have mass here? Well, they said, yes, once a year. I said, okay, that's great. When is it? And they said, Memorial Day weekend. And I said, oh, well, that's great. And they said, but um, we can't have mass in the church. I said, oh, right, because it's deconsecrated. And they said, correct. But the cemetery is still consecrated. I'm like, oh, so how does this work? Well, we set up a little card table and folding chairs. And uh, Father Riley 
comes uh, from the city, he drives down, and we get all uh, ready to go, and um, we're there outside in the cemetery on the folding chairs, and he's in his vestments by the card table. And then rain or shine, he looks up at the sky, and he says, oh, I believe it looks like rain. And we'll just have to go inside the church and have mass. And so the entire parish folds up their chairs and stacks them against the wall, and then they troop into the church where he says mass, a proper mass there on the altar, as it should be. So while I'm sitting there in the church uh, listening to mass, I kind of look around at the stained glass windows. Also, very, very beautiful stained glass windows at Old St. Patty's. And I'm seeing some interesting names here. Um, you know, families donate the stained glass windows, and so their names are on them. And I'm seeing some names like Kermit O'Connor. Hmm. Now, there's an interesting Irish name. And another one, Liam Schwarzendruber. So I assume that these are mixed marriages, Catholics and Mennonites. And indeed, on Christmas Eve, Old St. Patty's is a wonderful carols and hymn tradition. And people in the parish come and sing hymns and do readings from the Bible. And they also include the Mennonite, a Mennonite quartet that sings in the shape note tradition, which is an old uh, Southern tradition, actually. And I asked how this shape note tradition came up mm, to a church near Free Martintown. And apparently the Mennonites went down to the South doing some um, church work, drilling wells and building houses and working for Habitat for Humanity. And there wasn't any Amish church group or Mennonite church in Texas where they were, so they just went to the Southern Baptist Church. And there they learned shape note singing, and they brought it back up to Free Martintown. Now, since old St. Patty's is deconsecrated, you're not really supposed to say mass there, and you're not really supposed to get married there either. But there were one members of the church, and their daughter had grown up in that parish before they deconsecrated it, and she wanted to be married there. Uh, 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 said the Catholic bishop. No, nope, we cannot have weddings in old St. Patty's. I suppose she could have gotten married no, in the cemetery, no, they don't want an outdoors wedding either. It's got to be in a certified, consecrated church. So the bride's mother went to the Mennonite minister down the road and asked if he would marry her daughter in the church. So the Mennonite minister came over to old St. Patty's, and they had a wonderful wedding there and a big old reception and dance in the church hall next door. And 
that's it, folks, for today's episode of Ag Arts from Horse and Buggy Land. We've been recording from our studios in sunny downtown Fremartentown. We've had technical and musical assistance from Marco Caccio and support from the Werner Ellathorpe Fund at the Oregon Community Foundation. We would welcome your support if you hit that donate button on our agarts.org website and send in a little help there. And you can also get on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash agarts and you'll see all sorts of great premiums there. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. See you next time.